Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. Located in the heart of Victoria, BC, we are a church that seeks to renew our community through the gospel. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. Please turn to Acts chapter 26. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief, chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have prepared for you this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then further ahead, we're now going to go up to Acts chapter 27, verses 13 to 26. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cotta, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship, then fearing that they would run aground on on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, You should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told but we must run aground on some island. So today, we're in the last part of our series, Through the Storm. And I want to talk about, does God lead us into storms? For me and our family, this sermon series came right on time. As we are walking through difficult things, as God is calling us to Campbell River Baptist Church. But many of you are also walking through storms. Some of you might be going through health issues. Some of you have lost people close to you. Some of you don't have a job and you don't know what your next steps are. Some of you are in in turmoil, in relational, uh, things just keep coming up over and over again, and these storms just don't seem to dissipate, and they go again on and on. But why do some people endure hard things for the gospel, 
but yet others give up. Why do people do what they do? Let's look at the famous words of Simon Sinek. This is what he says. Why is all about your purpose? Why do you get up in the morning? And very few people can clearly articulate why they do what they do. So as you're going to see, God calls us into storms so that we can find our why, our purpose. He calls us to hard things so that we can grow in our faith, so that he can refine us, so that we can be more like him. God may call you into storms so that the gospel can go deeper into your hearts and also that the gospel can be spread to others. So like many of you, I've experienced many storms. I've told my story here many times of how we ended up in Victoria. Right? It all started with the pregnancy of our third daughter. And Megan fell into a deep depression. She, she described it as trying to navigate through a fog. And she just couldn't see anything. It was dark. It was hard. And as we were walking through that, I had this ministry with Young Life where we had over 200 teenagers coming and kids were accepting Christ. They were getting baptized and things were going really well. But when I came home every night, I knew that I needed to take care of my family. That it was devastating. And God asked me to leave my ministry in Young Life to support my family first. Now, that led us to moving to Victoria and just taking a season to get healthy. A season in which we could care for one another and letting God just speak to us and prepare us for what is next. And during that time, I was getting wise counsel from counselors and pastors trying to figure out how to put all these things back together including my wife's health. And one pastor said specifically, hey, Steve, I think you're actually called to Victoria. Really? Yeah, I I think you should pray about that. So in that moment, I actually started to think, you know, I should put some resumes together. Well, Megan and I, one Sunday, decided we were going to try out a different church. And we were headed to Glad Tidings. We we heard all the young people were there, and we would probably fit in well. And so we're driving down Pandora, and then, oops, oh, I, I missed my turn. And then on the left was Central Baptist Church. And Megan said, hey, hey, let's just pull into Central. Let's see my parents. So as we turned into Central, we went into the parkade, came up the elevator, sat in these very seats, and I was hearing Dave Martin preach on worship, and God spoke to me. And out of God speaking to me, we ended up having a conversation which led me to working at Central for the last nine years. 
But the point is, it was through a painful storm that God led us to Victoria for this incredible decade of friendship, ministry that we all experienced. And we are so grateful for how God worked during that time. But again, God is calling all of us at times to hard things. Sometimes God allows storms. Sometimes we cause storms. But as you're going to see, God also calls us into storms. Why? Because God may want you to sacrifice or give up something to further the gospel. God may be calling you to surrender a comfortable job or a paycheck or even your own home. He may be asking you to relinquish a relationship or a habit so that you too can participate in moving the gospel forward in your life and in the life of others. So as you're going to see, God calls you into storms. Here's three things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about his purpose, his calling, and his presence in the storms. So let's jump in. His purpose. Well, in Acts 9, we read that Paul encounters God. I'm going to call it a conversion storm. You know, he's walking down the street and something happens, a flash of light in which he can't help but stop. And God changes him in that moment forever. It was this life-altering encounter. It wasn't this, you know, God was running through the fields, encountered Paul, embraced him in a hug, and he was changed. No, he was stopped, he was blinded, and he was brought to his knees so that he could pay attention to God. Paul, who was Saul then, wasn't just changed, you know, where he entered into, you know, an exercise program, lost 15 pounds, and was, you know, joyful and continued on. No, his life was completely transformed. He did a 180 towards God. If you know the story, Paul was one of those guys who was persecuting Christians, hurting them, wanting them to be killed. And because of his encounter with God, he became a Christian and gave up his life for the gospel. He describes this experience as seeing a light from heaven, which brought him to this point in which he's telling the king, he's giving his testimony about what God did. So let's look at Acts 28, where Paul gives this account of what God said to him. This is what he says. This is God again speaking. But rise and stand Upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness. For what purpose did God call him? Again, to appoint him as a servant and witness, 
to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Again, for what purpose? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So for what purpose? Here I want you to see that this is so important that Paul found his why. He encountered God in this storm, this living God who showed him exactly what his next steps in life were to be. This experience with God caused Paul to change the very way that he lived. It was this drastic, polar, opposite type way. His purpose, again, was brand new. For what purpose? To be a servant and witness of Christ. Again, to open their eyes. And then what does Paul do here? He, he gets that purpose. And he starts to move the gospel forward. He starts to go from city to city, from leader to leader, sharing this good news because his life was transformed. Paul clearly knew his why. And as you're going to see, he encounters challenge after challenge and trial after trial. But he had this unwavering determination to tell others about Jesus. The point is, Paul is driven by his why, his purpose. Years ago, I was asked to do some pastoral care for some missionaries in Japan. And so, I don't know if you know Japan, but it is one of those places in which it is really difficult to do missions work or start a church. And as we were talking about the culture, we learned that it has the highest suicide rate in all of the world. And there is this theme that came up when we were in conversation doing missionary care. The theme was... Steve, it's so hard. It's so expensive. We're not seeing enough fruit here in Japan. Frankly, we want to give up. As we continued to have these conversations, God started to speak at a conference with these missionaries, even to myself, and God started to say, you know what? I've brought you all here for a purpose. Let me remind you that I didn't call you to easy things. That the people of Japan need Jesus. And in my timing, my kingdom will come. I watched missionaries who wanted to give up. Have this renewed passion in the gospel. And even myself, as I was speaking, that community renewed me. And I came home with a renewed passion for the gospel. Why? Because we were reminded of our why.
And when we don't know our why, we simply start to wander in circles. You know, it's, it's like the boat without the rudder. It's like the car without the steering wheel. We don't know our destination or our goal. And so, in fact, we often do nothing. You know, do I stay or do I go? But here's the question that we need to be asking ourselves. Have you experienced God in such a way that you know your purpose? Let me say it again. Have you experienced God in such a way that you know your why? You know why you get up in the morning. You know why you continue to do difficult things for God. And each of us has a unique story in which God wants to shape us and mold us. And bring us to this destination where we can know him deeply, even in the storm. Here's three ways that the Bible defines our purpose. It defines why you exist, if you know Christ. That your purpose is found in him. That your purpose is to participate in bringing that gospel to lost people. That Christ died for you so that you could join him in that mission. But it also anchors your life. It anchors it in the very character of God. So that we can deeply know him and be changed by knowing that character. But it also clarifies who you are. Your very identity is found in Christ. And if you're struggling to know what this means, that's okay. But it all starts with knowing Jesus. Jeff Vanderstelt says this, when people really grasp the good news of Jesus, satisfying the deep longings of their soul, it's hard for them to keep it to themselves. It's hard for them to keep it to themselves. Isn't that good? This is why Paul doesn't give up. It's because he knew his purpose. He knew that others needed Jesus. How did he know this purpose? It's because he encountered Jesus. He didn't just pray a prayer. His life was completely changed. He had this clarity, this zeal, this sacrifice that he was bringing wherever he went so that others, again, could experience God. Next, God is calling us to participate in this. God is calling us to participate in this. Well, what do I mean by calling? I'm referring to the call To belong to Jesus in such a way that we participate in his redemptive work, even if we have to suffer. God is calling us to participate in his redemptive work, even if it's hard. I want you to notice what happens to Paul as he participates in this calling. 
I mean, he, in Acts, he moves the message from Damascus, then to Jerusalem. He goes from city to city, from leader to leader, sharing the good news. Then when you jump down to Acts 26, 21, he's telling again the king what happens, and he says this, For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. For what reason? He's sharing a story. He's telling others about Jesus and how he was transformed. But notice the pattern with Paul. That he's moving the gospel from city to city, from person to person. And he's encountering struggle challenge, hardship. He's put in prison. God did not reward him with, okay, Paul, you're doing a good thing. Let's send you to Disneyland. Let's send you to Hawaii because you've been a good boy, right? No, the exact opposite happens. That I want you to notice that when Paul experiences difficulty, it wasn't because he was disobedient. It was because he was obedient. Did you catch that? Paul experiences difficulty because he was obedient. So let's keep reading. In Acts 27, he's being held prisoner. This crowd was intending on killing him. And so this Roman commander rushed down and brings him into protective custody. Then when Paul realizes that there's going to be no justice for him, he appeals to Caesar. Then Paul is put on his boat so that he can travel to Rome and share the gospel with Caesar. What happens next? Let's look at Acts 27, 13. It says, now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, a tempest wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Well, what is this northeast wind? Well, remember that winds are named from where they blow. And so this abnormal wind was coming in from the northeast. Think of a hurricane where it's blowing strong. And it's causing the ship to rock and become unsafe. It was expected that this storm would potentially tip them over. And many would die. And so there's panic. And they, so they started to take extra measures. It says in verse 18, since they were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And then on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of being saved was abandoned and things 
seemed hopeless. But what's very interesting here is that Paul, again, is on the boat because he's sharing the gospel. And this another storm, another trial he's, he's, he's facing. And it seems like they're all going to die. And so they start throwing things overboard. It's dark. It's gloomy. Why do they start throwing things overboard? To allow the vessel to sit higher in the water. But we also, again, read that they, this went on for days. They didn't see the sun or the stars for many days. That's what it's like in storms, right? So with our lives, there are times when we cannot see the light. We cannot see any purpose in our trials that we are experiencing. Everything just seems dark. And you may believe that you're even going to go down in the hardship. But again, Paul did nothing wrong. Just as we reflect back on this series, some of the greatest men and women of faith in the Bible are those who suffered the most brutal storms. It appears that with those who have the greatest calling have endured the greatest storms. Right? Last week, Joseph, no cause of his own, but God really used that situation in his providence. Think of Daniel, who didn't want to bow to the idol, who continued to worship and pray to God, was thrown in the lion's den. Think of Mary and Joseph, who had to flee to protect baby Jesus because of King Herod. Think of Paul again. In 2 Corinthians, it lists how much he suffered for the sake of the gospel. It says that he suffered from labor. He was thrown in prison multiple times. He faced death often. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. The list goes on and on. And yet Paul says... In 2 Corinthians 12.10, therefore I take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We often have this idea that if we're serving God in obedience, the things will just go well. That, that, that we will be comfortable. That we will be blessed and we can just continually enjoy God's good gifts. But I actually wonder if things are too comfortable and easy if it's a result of disobedience. To illustrate this, I want to contrast Paul's life with this image of extreme comfort in Disney's movie Wally. So, some context is the world is in ruins. And so, humanity is living on a spaceship because it's inhabitable. 
And because of technology, everything has evolved and pro- progressed. And humans spend their days lying around on lounge chairs, scrolling and being entertained with one finger and drinking a soft drink in the other. Here's the picture, right? But here's the point. Humanity now lives in a perpetual state of comfort to the point where they can't do anything else. It's button clicking. It's soft drinks. I think this image is a good metaphor for what is spiritually happening to Western Christians when they seek a life of comfort. You know, it's like daily bread and coffee, but don't ask me to do anything else. You know, you know I, I get my devotionals from a quick scroll on Instagram, but don't ask me to engage in a mess in which I have to help someone. Or even think about this entire pandemic in the context of about what is about to happen, where church is online. Everything you need is online. Click a button, watch, and go back to life. Why go back to church? Why connect with others? Why serve when I can just stay home and sit in my lazy boy or my coach? But here's the point. It's our comfort that may be the very thing that keeps us from growing spiritually and participating in gospel renewal. Our comfort. But here's the thing. Without the storm, we just kind of carry on, right? We enjoy all those things that we've worked hard for. It's our default to consume comfort. It's my default to consume what is easy. Think about it. How many times have you heard the word preached? Or you've done your devotions and God's asked you to do something hard and you're like, yeah, maybe later, God. You know, perhaps you've gained some really good knowledge, but nothing internally changed. This is why God calls you and I into storms to shape us, to get our attention, to make us more like Christ, because it's in the storm that God meets us. It was in the storm that Paul and the sailors had to start to purge all the things overboard so that they could stay afloat. What do you and I need to throw overboard so the gospel can be advanced in your life, in the life of others? What is God calling you to do today, tomorrow? Can you see that it's your purpose or your why that makes all the difference? Brian Dodd says this. You can be a great person with a stable job, family, and social life. You can pay your taxes, 
help your aging parents, and recycle while simultaneously being profoundly enslaved by the idol of comfort, an idol that makes peace and predictability its highest priority. I learned that one of my idols was the God of comfort. Comfort lets you slack off when you want tune to tune out when you think you deserve it and be selfish even when you know you're called to give. When you worship comfort, you don't have to give until it hurts. You don't have to love unconditionally. And you can do whatever you feel like with whatever you believe is your time. I don't know about you, but that quote convicts me. Too often, it's about what I want to do. Not about what God wants to do through me, even though it's hard. And God is calling you and I to participate in the storm so that the gospel can be advanced here in Victoria and across the island, even in Campbell River, as we are being called. Lastly, his presence. That in the storm... God is with us. Look with me at Acts 27, 22 to 26, where Paul is addressing everyone on the ship, and this is what he says. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Ah, did you see that? His goal? To stand before Caesar? And present the gospel? And then he says, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. But what I want you to notice is that God is with Paul throughout the entire storm. He wasn't abandoned. He wasn't left to his own means. But he wasn't also delivered from the storm until God said it was time. Till God accomplished his purposes. But God reminds Paul of his promise and his presence through an angel. He says, Paul, hey, continue on. It's not over. I still need you to get the gospel to Caesar. Oh, but also you're going to take a detour to some island where I also have some work for you to do. It's to borrow from another pastor. I want you to notice that Paul doesn't make the mistake that we often make in suffering. You know, we also, when we say, you know, bad things are happening, we jump to the conclusion that God is punishing me. Or God doesn't care about me. Paul is saying, no, God is with me. Because he's experiencing God's presence even in the middle of the storm. And the storm makes him better. 
The storm makes him more like Christ. The point is, is that you can experience God's presence even in the most difficult things that God has asked you to do. Whether you caused a storm or not, or whether God called you into it, it's the place in which we are refined. It's the place in which we can meet Jesus closely. And so often, in that darkness, we can just sink into despair rather than practicing the presence of God. Rather than really engaging him and, and knowing him on a deeper level and being transformed. And again, Paul sees the purpose. I must bring the gospel to Caesar. I must continue. God is with me. Finally, in Acts 27, 37, it says that all 276 passengers survived. You know, there was the promise. And then Paul is diverted to an island in which the native people showed him this unusual kindness and took care of him. But then God used Paul to transform them. And he brought healing to one of their leaders. And again, God used Paul in the storm. So in closing, how does God show up in the storm? Tim Keller says this, if you say, God, why exactly are you letting this bad thing happen to me? You're probably not going to get an answer. You may not get an answer your whole life, but don't forget, suffering is not primarily a philosophical question. It's a personal problem. The question is, how are you going to get through it? You need somebody with you. And this is where Christianity is different than all of the other religions. It says that God has been with us in the suffering, that he hasn't left you alone. Only Christianity claims that God has suffered. Have you lost something? Have you been struggling? Are you hurting? Well, God suffers and suffered for you. He faced all those things. And he's really with us in our suffering. He's there. He's there to bring about good. He's there to bring about his plan and his gospel in your life and the life of others. Why is this so important? It's because God made you. And he knows you deeper than anyone else. It's God who gave you the purpose. It's God who's calling you to participate, even if it's stormy. It's God who wants to renew you with the gospel. So here's the question. Have you encountered Jesus?
Have you encountered him in such a way that you didn't just pray a prayer, but your life was transformed, that you continue on into the struggle because you know him deeply? Well, to those who are going through a difficult season, Rebecca Young says this, God often calls us to difficult things. Our difficult calling has a destination. God does not ask us to wander the wilderness aimlessly. Our roads are going somewhere glorious to the heart of God himself. If God has called you to walk in a difficult path, he will sustain you on it. Fix your eyes on Jesus and trust yourself to God and keep putting one foot in front of the other as you journey toward the life in God that awaits you. And this is the reason The Edelman family is moving to Campbell River. Is that we may encounter difficult things we don't know. But God is calling us to participate in this mission, specifically in that city. But God is also calling Central to participate in this mission here in Victoria. And it may be stormy. With the change of staff and the change of leadership. But ah, God is with you. God wants to do something special here. God wants to do something amazing in Campbell River. But we need to encounter Jesus to do it. So again, what difficult things is God calling you to do? Do you know your purpose? Do you know your calling? Do you know his presence? Here's some questions to reflect on as we leave today. Have you experienced God in such a way that you know your why? How does comfort keep you from advancing the gospel? And how does practicing God's presence in the storm change us? And is God calling you into a storm? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your word. That it transforms us as we really truly understand who you are and what you've called us to do. Thank you that we can truly experience joy in the trials. But God, I just pray that we would cast things overboard if we need to so that we can participate in this calling, this calling to bring Jesus to other people who need the gospel, a transforming gospel. Help us to do that well, to not seek glory for ourselves, but to seek glory for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast.